0: BIRD's Patient and Public Engagement, podcasts. Hello and welcome back to episode three in our podcast series about psoriatic arthritis. I'm Mel Brook, the Patient and Public Engagement Programme Director for BIRD. And in this episode, I'll be talking to Jade Skeets, who is the Clinical and Team Lead for the Rheumatology and Physiotherapy Department at the Royal National Hospital for Pheumatic Diseases in Bath. During this podcast, Jade and I chat about the importance of staying active, how to identify your motivation and reasons for staying active, how to set your goals for staying active, and she also shares some great links to places that will help you stay active, and how you can even exercise at home, and why that's an important part of helping to manage your psoriatic arthritis. Hello Jade, thank you so much for joining us today again for another podcast and this time we're going to be talking about psoriatic arthritis and physiotherapy. Brilliant Mel, thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. So I thought we'd start off by just having a general catch-up on the difference that exercise can make to someone's life, someone with psoriatic arthritis. How much difference can regular exercise make to someone's general fitness and well-being in your opinion?
1: Great question and I think I probably draw on experience from working with people. Sure there's lots of information out there that tells us being more active and physically active is a great idea but when I meet patients I really want to understand what is affecting them and what their goals are. Mm. Um, I think if we think about psoriatic arthritis and how it may affect people we know that pain, swelling, stiffness, fatigue, poor sleep, all of these things can really affect how much people feel they can be active. Mm. And and if those things are, are happening for people, it can really uh, impact on their physical ability to do things or how much they do. So over time, a lot of people um, lose their fitness and their strength and uh, their energy levels. And... I guess we can see that that is really going to impact on how somebody can live their lives. Mm. Um, I think if we then think about working with people and, and considering what their goals are, how how can it impact and how can it improve things? Well, I mean, there, there are so many known benefits or potential benefits of physical activity. And um, if we consider... The statistics, the evidence out there, I mean, the decrease in the likelihood of developing certain cancers, fracturing their hip, decreasing the likelihood of developing or um, having problems with diabetes, Mm. um, their mental well-being, um, cardiovascular, so heart and lung fitness. I mean, there are so many benefits to being physically active, but actually, Mel, if I think about it, what I really turn to is what people have told us helps Mm. them. And um, I I really still hang on to some of those great stories that come out of working from people with psoriatic arthritis and that I've heard people say that they can now pick up both of their children at the same time when they couldn't even really contemplate picking up one child at a time. Mm. Or they used to rely on somebody else to help them open jars and now they can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Or they sit always on the lower deck of the bus because they didn't feel they had the confidence to climb up the stairs I think what is the difference that we can make well sure strength physical fitness um, maybe mental well-being and, and their ability to sleep and feel refreshed all of these things could be influenced but actually can we help people feel more in control of their their lives and their bodies and hopefully gain a confidence in being able to do the things that they want to do
0: Mm. I mean, it sounds like small wins, doesn't it? Things like being able to open a jar, but it's empowering. It keeps your independence going. So it's not a small thing. It just, it probably is to someone who's perfectly healthy, but to someone who hasn't been able to do that for ages, that's a win in my book.
1: Definitely. And I, I think that's where we really want to, whatever it is, if we're discussing physical activity and the benefits, we want to get to know the person and see what might be helpful for that person to consider being their targets and goals
0: mm. and you know the point about whether or not you can go up to the top deck of a bus I mean again that's it's just having that small pleasure and the ability to attain that isn't it like you get such mm-hmm. a bare view when you're set at the top of a bus <laughs>
1: Definitely. And it's choice. It's choice. Yeah, not, not feeling limited in how mm. you go about living your life thinking I can't do that bit. I can't. Well, actually, I'll choose whether I decide to sit top deck or on the lower deck today.
0: Mm. Yeah, so it's about not feeling over compromised, isn't it by your condition. So right. Yeah, it's good stories. So if people don't exercise, what happens? I mean, do their muscles get weaker do they obviously they lose some mobility because you stiffen up don't you yeah that's right Mel and uh, I think it's fairly
1: hopefully it's fairly well known I think we're, we're talking about it a lot more in in social media and in the news but actually if we don't push our bodies if we don't test ourselves and and do nothing else over the age of and I'll quote an unfortunate age which is 40 but over the age of 40 things start to change in our bodies Mm. um our bones will naturally become less sturdy and so things like osteoporosis start to become a potential problem for people Mm. and our muscles start to decline um so that that old phrase which um that that you don't use it you lose it is actually true Mm. um we know that we need to test our muscles to keep fitness and um, to keep strength in them. And so the the power of the potential for keeping active, the power, the power of keeping active can't be underestimated in that respect.
0: Mm. And the thing is, 40 is not old. So you're not associating yourself with being old at that age. You're still quite active. You've probably, you know, you've got all kinds of things going on. But if the fact is that physically this is where your body starts to change, yeah, then it's important to recognize that, isn't it, as a marker, yeah. not, not just as a marker of, oh, I'm getting old, but a marker of, okay, things are going to be changing now and I need to keep on top of them.
1: Definitely. And I'm sure it's been touched on in the the podcast series on osteoporosis, but the Mm. more we can do about our bone health before the age of 40, the better our bone health peak is going to be. So we're already standing ourselves in better stead. So it's never too early to start thinking about. Uh, becoming fitter and stronger, and, and trying to do the right things for our body to test it in the best possible way to, to main, maintain good bone and, and muscle health. But equally, it's never too late. It's never too late to begin. I have worked with plenty of people who've come through in their middle and later ages who have not been testing their bodies, have then started to try and work on an aspect of their fitness in some way. And have made great achievements and, and, and found great benefit from that.
0: Yeah. It is difficult because usually that's a really busy, you know, your middle years are a really busy mm. time in life. And it is easy for things like self-care to be slightly neglected and, and things yeah. like exercise go off the radar very quickly, don't they? But yeah. So the message is an important one, mm. regardless of whether you've got a rheumatic condition. Definitely.
1: Absolutely. You know, the more we can do for our own health, the better for anybody. Mm. Even more so if you've got psoriatic arthritis, for example.
0: Yeah, I mean, to go back to people with psoriatic arthritis, is there a, some sort of typical profile? Of you, are there, when people are getting referred to you from their consultants and they, you know, they're coming through to therapies, are there typical problems that they're facing? I think that's a difficult question.
1: I personally, as clinicians, and I know my colleagues would say the same. We treat people as individuals. Mm. Yes, of course, people with psoriatic arthritis share common features in things that may affect them. So the joint disease, the skin um, with inflammatory disease can come fatigue and perhaps sleep disruption as well. Mm. Um, so, yes, there are common things that people may report to us. And and if we think about the joints, uh, I guess as a physio, I'm drawn perhaps more to the joints, but pain, stiffness, swelling, all of these things may lend themselves to muscles not being so fit around the area and the person generally not being quite so fit mm. because they have not felt or been able to do what they wanted to do. Um, mm. but is there a, a are there typical problem areas? I would say it, it varies. Mm. And, and this is where it's really important that we can try to get to know people's individual situations because everybody's, um, demands on their fitness varies depending on what they do so how they go about their daily routine um, whether they are in in some sort of work or um, um, volunteering or or they're participating in certain types of activities Mm. Um, all of these things mean that everyone's fitness requirements um, or or what they need from their bodies is different
0: yeah that makes sense so whatever they're doing in their life can affect whatever joints are potentially flaring or being used more. Yeah. That does make sense. Yeah. So what would you say are, we talked about, you know, time as a barrier to to exercising. What are the other things we talked about? We talked about fatigue and sleep issues. Mm. Are there other things in there that contribute? Yeah. I mean, well, pain, fatigue.
1: um, I guess those are the physical sides of things. I think I think I, look, I see a lot of people in terms of confidence as well um, in in how confident they are that their body could do that sort of activity if mm-hmm. we're thinking about physical activity and exercise Um motivation and and perhaps part of that is also understanding the reasons why it could be helpful I think motivation is sometimes within because we want to meet a target but part of that also perhaps his motivation is because I could see it could do something helpful for me Mm. um so perhaps a part of our role as well is is sharing some of those messages of positivity about the brilliant reasons why physical activity could be a great thing for people to to try and explore and participate in Mm -hmm. um I think some of it is also about access and support and, and you know, the pandemic has been a real challenge for people. We, we've met a lot of patients, uh, a lot of people who had classes set up or uh, they were going to the gym or they were meeting people to do certain activities. And a lot of that has been really hampered in the last year, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've heard that so much that they can't go to their Pilates class or, Mm. you know, do the usual exercise classes that they would do.
1: Yeah. So the world's got inventive and and we've gone remote. Um, But not remote, remote. So virtual doesn't suit everybody. Computers, technology, even just that engagement, because actually part of it was also being around others and perhaps going and doing something. Uh I think that's a all of these factors kind of interplay in in whether somebody wants to or feels they
0: can participate in something or not mm, and having fun when you're doing it with a group, you're normally you know like you said the socializing aspect of it, and you're having fun, so you're not really noticing the hard work side of it, so I think that's really helpful and that's something that's not happening, isn't it at the moment with all yeah. the remote yeah exactly, yeah, you talked about joint pains and stiffness and things like that, swelling that can affect someone's confidence. Is that because of the pain that they might go through?
1: Yeah, I think pain. And, and we know that swelling can really um, inhibit muscle. Mm. So actually when when the pain inhibits the muscles around the area, um, then when you go to try and do stuff, it's even harder to do it. So there's, there's a bit of a vicious cycle woven into inflammatory flares that I guess we want to start to recognize really early if we can and and try and help people um, prevent from occurring. Mm. We know this can occur really early in disease stages, particularly there's there's evidence in rheumatoid arthritis, it occurs early, but we don't know enough about the other inflammatory diseases, but probably could presume that it's going to be similar, Mm. Um, that that early stiffness, fatigue and pain is going to stop people from doing things. So they're going to get weaker, it's going to be harder.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you've got really badly swollen knee or something you're not going to be able to bend it or cycle or do some exercises are you? No no and even just that swelling being present
1: in a joint inhibits the muscles in the area from working mm. so naturally they will waste a bit and and even when the swelling settles down it's not that those muscles just suddenly automatically reverse to being fully strong again so there's, there's a real uh, kind of positive argument for um, exercises to try and continually keep on top of a situation
0: mm. yes and medications as well i guess to keep the different conditions under control yeah so it's 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 all part of the under the, the package for a person isn't
1: it, it mm-hmm. it's you know that's not obviously my yeah. over expertise as a physiotherapist but i i know we need to recognize disease activity but the interesting little bit around that is that um when some studies have looked at disease control, yes, albeit in, in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and they've looked at them in their early disease stage when the medications are just getting on board. Yes, we can see muscles have declined in terms of the amount of muscle. But we know that even when they are then having good disease control from the medications, that muscle doesn't catch back up again. Right. So there's, a again, a, a really good thought to say we need to use exercise so I I talk to people about it's not just about controlling your disease it's about living well with what is going on as well living well with the disease yeah and and so we've got lots of things that we might want to support people to think about in terms of their health and well-being personal kind of program their personal um challenge going forward no agree
0: So what are the kinds of exercises that are really helpful for people with psoriatic arthritis in, in your experience?
1: So I think the bottom line is my number one with people is it's whatever you would like to be doing. Mm -hmm. There's some really great um, information out there from the chief medical health officers, the exercise experts that advise the government on, in in thinking about what is good for people generally. Mm. When we look at those guidelines, we know that if we were doing the right things for ourselves, ideally, we would all be trying to get out of puff every week and and testing our heart and our lungs, our cardiovascular system. Mm -hmm. And we'd also be testing our muscles a couple of times a week um, to try and promote strength and and muscle endurance, as we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. And we'd also be wanting to work on our balance and make sure our balance um, is as good as it could be. And and that's person-dependent you know, a couple of times a week is the recommendation, but for some people working on it daily is really important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What is useful for people with psoriatic arthritis is all of the above, all of the same. Okay. But I think the most important thing that we start to think about is what matters to that person? What would they like to spend their time doing? Um, And I think there's a really important, definition which I like to chat to patients about which is the difference between exercise and physical activity mm. um when we think about exercise exercise can can sometimes be a bit of a daunting word to some people I was, I was chatting to some patients about it yesterday and and generally they screwed their noses up a little bit just weren't quite sure about the concept of exercise uh, knowing that they had fat, fatigue and and pains um but actually exercise is a ring-fenced activity it's it's something you do with a specific purpose in mind Mm. Uh, you're either trying to strengthen or you're improving your balance or you're working on your physical and and cardiovascular fitness and and so I guess people think of exercise in terms of classes or going to the gym and doing weights or, or going for a bike ride but physical activity encompasses exercise but you're starting to think about any activity that gets you moving and shifting and doing stuff. Mm. And I think that can be really helpful to think about when we're considering what exercise is recommended, because it really opens up lots of avenues. Mm. You can think about anything, you know, if it's gardening that it it takes your fancy or or you enjoy housework. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure I ever enjoy housework, but some people do enjoy housework. Mm -hmm. Um, It's whatever, um, gets you moving something that gets you out of puff something that gets you maybe lifting and shifting and moving loads so carrying the shopping home start can start to be a physical activity um and i think that this is where we then want to start to consider what does that person want to spend their time doing
0: or what do they want to achieve yes so if Absolutely. it's gardening they want to be able to you know to have a good grip on the gardening tools or right. have the muscular strength to be able to do the digging yeah digging or chopping bushes or something exactly
1: Mm. and and so you can treat gardening as that activity that they want to work on and you can use that as the way of building up the strength and fitness for that activity Mm. or you could steer it and try and do some exercises specifically to promote their grip strength or their ability to push and dig and move loads so that when they go and do the gardening, it feels easier. Mm. And I guess it depends on that approach the person would like to take.
0: Yeah. Yes. And things just like being able to get down on your knees and get back up easily. Yeah. thats really important, isn't it? Because you lose that ability and you're quite inhibited, especially yes. in like gardening. Yes, yes. And so is it, Is it mobility?
1: Is it movement in the joints that is stopping that? Is it strength of of lifting your body weight up off the floor and propelling yourself away from the floor? And so is it practicing that? So there's the physios sometimes work at practicing that specific activity by breaking it down into small tasks, Mm. or is it that we need to work on strength so that you have the ability in your muscles to propel yourself in the way that you need to?
0: Mm. And I guess for people with psoriatic arthritis as well, we have to always be mindful of skin issues that might also be preventing some of their ability to exercise.
1: Yeah, I've had people talk to us about, um, worried about sweating and um, um, clothing and how that may irritate their skin further. Mm. And these are all things that we just need to consider when we think about what is right for a person, how they would
0: like to, if they would like to get more active. Mm. And what about feet, Jade? What can be done or what what do you commonly tell people or give them advice about?
1: Yeah, Uh, when we're thinking about feet, I guess we consider footwear. Um, Depends on the type of activity Mm -hmm. and depends on what the foot problems are. we're lucky here we work closely with podiatrists and orthotists so thinking about whether it maybe supports um within the footwear that could be helpful mm. um, it may be as simple as considering the style of footwear and um i remember the podiatrists would say to us uh, a simple rule of thumb is is in terms of supportive footwear if you can fold the shoe in half it's not particularly supportive and actually lots of the lovely little Trainers that look very nice out there can be very soft on the sole, which aren't particularly supportive. So it depends on that person's needs. Um, we would probably have a, an individual discussion as to whether there are um, certain problems. So in psoriatic arthritis, particularly um, problems with the enthesis, so where the tendon attaches onto bone or even tendons themselves can be contributing factors to their symptoms and their pains. Mm. Um, so we want to think about how those tendons or entheses or the the areas of the the feet and ankles that are affecting them may be influenced by the particular types of activity we're considering and and what we can do about that
0: mm-hmm. It makes sense that looking at what it is they want to achieve so they want to go for a daily walk so they make sure they've got the the supportive correct footwear or they want to do gardening so they make sure they do plenty of exercise or plenty of grip strength training you know so muscle training grip strength so it it does make sense that those kinds of things then are motivating in terms of doing your exercises. Definitely Mm -hmm. I I
1: think you know, that, that's the biggest thing I've taken from working with people with long-term conditions is I, I could say lots of things that would be a good idea, but actually it's what matters to the person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because it's the, the guidelines, you know, they do some cardio, do this, do that. They don't resonate as well as, well, if you want to be able to carry on doing that, then you need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And if people have a really good exercise program i mean at the moment we talked about you know they're not able to go to their regular classes if they stop do they lose everything that they've gained so i think
1: the evidence would say it's not instant but yes you don't keep using it you do start to lose it Mm. um but we know that you know, somebody may have to take a week off an activity or have been poorly for a while or have a, a flare that really means that they don't feel able to keep doing some of their activities. Mm. Um, I I think that's so individual, but I don't see necessarily people going back to square one every time. It's not that they lose everything that they've gained. Mm. But I guess the general rule of thumb is as we go through life, if we can keep using it, then
0: hopefully it'll stay with us. Absolutely. And we can't talk about exercise for people with PSA without mentioning hydrotherapy, which is really, really popular. Yeah. Water, you know, joints are so soothing. Um, So when people are in a hydrotherapy pool, a warm pool, what kinds of exercises are you usually guiding them to do? Yeah, great question. And it depends, again, on what that
1: person feels they would like to use the water for. So as physios, we consider that hydro has a few different purposes. So we can use the water to try and aid movement. So if that something is particularly stiff, you can use the buoyancy and support of the water and the warmth and the comfort of that uh, uh, feeling of being in the water to try and help a person work on improving movement. Mm. We can think about where something is stiff but may benefit from a stretch, we can use the buoyancy of the water. So that's sometimes where we tend to using floats and and see if we can gain a bit of movement and flexibility by using floats to have a bit of stretcher or a a gentle pull on the movement. We can use the resistance of the water. And I think that's something we we quite often do is get people exercising against the the pressure of the water, Mm. which never feels quite as hard as it does on land but it's possibly working you even harder than it is on land and i think between the the slight weightlessness from the water but the warmth and, and therefore uh the kind of nervous system effects that that promotes so the depression of the pain experience we can use resistance to try and work somebody harder but in a more comfortable environment
0: mm.
1: but i but i think the other thing that i often really turn to as well is people find being in the warmer water relaxing yeah If they can get a bit of a break from the symptoms that they're experiencing, the experience of the support and the weightlessness, uh, we really often use the time to um, coach people in a bit of relaxation in the water as well. So not just about using it as a, um, a tough exercise method, but enjoying the sensation of being in the water and making the most of the fact that that also gives people's minds a bit of a break sometimes.
0: Mm, yeah, because especially if you've had a lot of pain or you're very to, you, you're carrying a lot of extra tension, aren't you? You just, you yeah. stiffen up just because you're carrying all that pain. So yeah. I think that is a major factor in why exercising or just being in warm water is, is so soothing and so enjoyable. Definitely. Yeah.
1: I think that's one of the privileges of being able to offer hydrotherapy here is when people walk into the water, you often just see them. They lighten. Yeah. Uh, Their their faces just change a bit. And that um, that moment of oh, that feels better is is such a lovely thing to be able to offer people.
0: Yeah. And is it something that people can find local to them if they aren't able to get into the hospital pool?
1: Yes, yeah. And and quite often we find some leisure pools. um, So local leisure centres may have times where they warm the pool um, to a slightly higher temperature. So leisure pools generally sit somewhere about 28 to 30 degrees centigrade. A piece of hydrotherapy is designed to be about 34 and a half to 35 and a half degrees centigrade. Right. Some leisure pools will heat their temperature up um, to maybe about thirty-two, so it's a, it's a reasonable halfway house, and it's it's enough to take a, a pleasant edge off the feeling of being in the water, mm-hmm. which sometimes it feels pools can feel a bit chilly. So sometimes um, local hotels or more private facilities have warmer pools as well. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what people feel they can or would want to access, and uh, I know there's a, a quite a, a good camp pain or general demand to try and keep hydrotherapy pools within the nhs services um it's worth asking your local therapy services if they know of any facilities
0: Mm. can i throw in an extra question about cold water swimming because that's a massive trend at the moment and it's supposed to be helpful for, for inflammation i don't know if you've got an opinion on it but
1: i i don't have an opinion on cold water swimming i'm hearing a lot about it i think certainly there's some great evidence around mental well-being um I guess it depends. I've never tried it, Um, but it's certainly something that people are are starting to try and experience. So it'd be great to hear more about it. And and perhaps there's going to be more studies in time thinking about the the many potential effects of cold water swimming.
0: Yeah. uh, From what I'm hearing or what I'm seeing on social media as well, it's all to do with um, mental health as well. It's supposed to be really good for mental health. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that I would want to get in an ice-cold sea at this time of year. (laughs) Time for a quick cuppa and a stretch. While you've got the kettle on, I'd like to just mention our new text and donate service that will help us to fund these podcasts. All you'd need to do is text BIRD to 70460 to donate £5. This costs £5 plus a standard rate message. Thanks for your support. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they know they need to get more active, but they're not quite sure where to start, what, what would you say to them?
1: So I tend to start with two, two things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, number one, um, think about what you would like to spend your time doing. And is that activity or exercise form, is it important to you? Would you like to spend some time doing? It? Because if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something, if you're gonna to commit to it and you want to spend time doing it, hopefully you're more likely to manage that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think looking at the the importance of that, that activity and your desire to want to do that activity, those, those are the first things I get people to consider.
0: So going back to what we were talking about earlier about maybe mm. thinking about your lifestyle, what it is you want to achieve as your motivator.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we we
1: sometimes get people to grade it on a, a zero to ten scale when you when you're thinking about goal setting, um, thinking about a zero to ten scale where zero is it's not at all important, it doesn't matter to me, where. 10 is then it's incredibly important. I really want to do it. Mm. And generally we say to people that so the, the evidence would say if you're thinking about the numbers, um, seven or more out of ten means it's a pretty good goal, pretty good pass mark. Hopefully you're going to want to stick to it. Yeah. If you're then thinking about the achievability of something. How likely am I to be able to set this, to manage this target? And and we start to talk about SMART goal setting. So people might have heard of the SMART acronym where you're thinking about, is this target specific? Is it measurable? Is it achievable? Is it realistic? And is it timely or time bound? Mm. So you're starting to try and construct a target that is really um, easy to decide whether you did or didn't manage it. And doable. (laughs) exactly exactly and so I guess an example of a a non-smart goal would be I want to be fitter it's it's very wide where do you begin with that
0: Mm, it's a bit broad
1: yeah but if you think about maybe a smart target of I would like to build up my walking ability so I'm going to go for a walk two times this week for 10 minutes Mm. and and so when you start to think about that more defined goal you can then again grade is it achievable or not on that zero to ten scale where zero is not achievable, ten is absolutely achievable and can I again hit that seven or more out of ten feeling about it.
0: Mm. And, so if, and if being achieve, achievable is really important isn't it because that's your that's your win at the end of having exercise towards it so you've got to have that sense of satisfaction haven't you? Exactly and
1: and I think one of the most unhelpful things is, is when we set ourselves targets. Well, people do it all the time. I do it all the time that aren't that achievable. Mm. And then it, you never quite manage to tick it off. And the sense of satisfaction of being able to tick something off is really important. It's a really motivating factor, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
1: Yeah. And I think the other tips I would say in terms of, okay, set your goal at the right level. But think local. Think cost effective Writing it down as a goal or sharing it, if you can, with somebody that verbal commitment or written commitment to saying this is my target can be really helpful. Mm. If it's possible, thinking about doing it with somebody else or telling somebody about it. But again, just picking something you want to spend your time doing or, as you said, it serves you a good purpose. It's it's taking you towards a bigger goal.
0: Yeah. And how does tech help? Because a lot of people now they will use an app or you know a mm. smart watch or a gadget. Is that the is that the kind of motivating and reward thing by seeing? Because a lot of them have little noises and things ping up that tell you you've done well
1: yeah and I think it depends on the individual I think there's a lot of research and a lot of thought going around what we call wearables wearable technology Mm -hmm. so on the wrist or um, uh, you know apps or that sit on our our phones if we have them in our pocket it doesn't suit everybody I'm not that tech wise Mel I have to confess but um, I I think there's um, a a lot of mileage in things if that's what works for a person yeah Um, like you say if it gives you A reminder to do something if it um, records something so you can get a a little noise or a a token or a an icon if you've achieved something Mm. or if you can then see and I I certainly know people who have started to then say well actually I've not quite managed my intended steps today or it's reminded me I'm just going to go and do it and I guess it's it's that prompt if that works for somebody and they don't feel it's a, a bit of a big brother situation. They're not feeling watched by it. And mm. um, if it works for somebody, I think that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think you probably have to figure out whether or not you're motivated by it or unmotivated by it, because if you look, mm. you know, if you get the reminders and you think, oh, I haven't done my steps today. And then the next day I haven't done my steps today or whatever it is that, right. that actually could be demotivating, couldn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's an individual. What suits that person? Yeah,
0: mm. I think it's really interesting, Jade, you've come up with some really good points in terms of someone's motivation and purpose and their sense of achievement through having those two things that might just put a different mm-hmm. spin on it for people to mo- to get them to think about exercise and where they're getting it. And another thing I think is probably quite important is to recognise where you are already getting it you know daily dog walk that's exercise isn't it yeah loading the laundry hanging it out going up and
1: down the stairs Uh, I think people might realize they do more than they think when they step back and look at physical activity in those terms I think maybe I can just insert as well something to think about is whether you are achieving what they call the moderate intensity minutes Mm -hmm. so so thinking about If I was trying to get those heart and lung benefits from getting myself uh, doing an activity, have I taken myself to that extent? And that extent that we talk about, we use a thing called the talk test. Mm -hmm. So thinking about getting out of breath enough. Yeah. Um, So that's, again, just another little tip and a guide, but it's, it's considering have you taken yourself into that zone? So if we if we quietly potter and stay within a very comfortable zone, we're active. Yeah. But we're going to get even more of those wonderful benefits if we start to do activities that get us a little bit out of breath.
0: Yeah. And
1: so thinking about I could probably still give you a sentence, but I couldn't sing you a song. (laughs) And and high intensity. So some people do activities and they get really out of puff, which is even more worthwhile in terms of um, how much uh, benefit we're gaining from something. Um, And in that thinking about what is really high intensity or really out of breath so I could grunt you a couple of words but I couldn't give you a sentence so if we can start to edge into that I can just about give you a sentence zone yeah throughout the day throughout the week we're starting to accrue those brilliant minutes of physical activity that contribute to those really wonderful things that can can improve our health and well-being
0: Mm. it is really easy to I've I've done it myself even through the you know, today's chat, to talk about activity and exercises sort of in a blended way, whereas mm. exercise really is the bit of it that's doing you, what you've just talked about, isn't it? The kind of getting out of puff, the the intensity. Well, actually, it
1: depends because people can get really out of puff, can't they, um, just by if they're having to um, do the vacuuming? I guess or so. Or do the gardening. So so actually, that that's the, the brilliance of thinking about physical activity is anything potentially is giving us those benefits. Exercise is that that way of kind of ring-fencing an activity and saying, I'm going to do some exercise of some form, Mm. but um, probably a lot more contributes to our health and fitness than we realise we're doing, which is is great news, I think.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So we're probably doing more than we think, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. And where can people go to find more inspiration and advice after our podcast chat
1: so where to turn well i think you know there's so much online nowadays so if people use the internet um you you can google yoga sessions pilates sessions um exercise sessions if that's if that's Mm -hmm. the sort of thing people would like to do Mm -hmm. The NHS has a, a, a really helpful website called the NHS Fitness Studio. And within that, there are lots of exercise videos um, thinking about relaxation sessions, seated yoga, Pilates, standing yoga, Pilates, um, strengthening exercises for different parts of the body, and, and general fitness and cardiovascular exercise as well. Mm-hmm. If it's stretches and movements, particular perhaps to people with psoriatic arthritis, if people have the related uh, spondyloarthritis, so spine-related inflammation and stiffness, the NAS website, National Axial Spondyloarthritis Society, has some great um, resources there. Mm-hmm. And people, if people are thinking about bone health and fitness, and whilst... I know, again, we're talking to people, perhaps talking to people that have psoriatic arthritis, but some people may be aware of their bone health if they have been on steroids for a period of time or if they um, have a family history of osteoporosis or know that their um, bone health is not perhaps as optimal as it could be. The Royal Osteoporosis Society website, again, has some great resources and um, exercise ideas for bone health. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot online nowadays, you know, versus arthritis um, is another website and has some exercise ideas for ourselves in physiotherapy. We have the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy exercise guides and, and even the moving medicine website is one that public health england had put together in in the last few years um alongside the f- faculty of sport and exercise medicine and and on there they talk about what is physical activity and and the ways you might go about being physically active and again there's a specifically a section for people with inflammatory arthritis
0: mhm i guess it's more difficult for people if they're not very tech savvy and they don't do a lot on the internet though
1: yeah and you make a very good point and i think that this is where um
0: again if
1: you have the ability to contact a physiotherapist perhaps they can set up something that's more tailored uh, we use sometimes programs that we can send people copies of exercises yeah. um, on paper form if people do have the technology ability sometimes we can give them a link to a program as well uh, that they can then access and, and record their exercises on it depends on the therapies and how they're set up in their local area mm. but um, I think if you are thinking about being more physically active and you're not sure where to begin then a physiotherapist can be a really great place to start equally any healthcare professional that supports you in your condition management in long-term condition management will know some resources or places or people to turn to to start seeking that support Mm. and possibly gps too Absolutely. I think there's a lot of resources. And, and yeah, exactly. Anybody supporting that person in their long term condition management. So thinking equally in primary care um, general practitioners, we have a lot more physiotherapists based in GP surgeries, care coordinators, uh, social prescribers. There are lots of professionals that ha- may have these these bits of information that they can support people to find what they would like to be doing more of. Yeah, fabulous. Thanks,
0: Jade. No problem. So just before we go, Jay, this year, physiotherapy, occupational therapists—they've had to be in contact with their patients remotely. We did touch on remote access, mm. but a lot of people have had telemed appointments now. Mm-hmm. Not perhaps so many for things like physiotherapy and mm. occupational therapy. From your perspective, how has this worked for you? Is it effective? Do you think? Is it? What's your thoughts? So I can
1: only give my therapist perspective. I'd actually love to hear more from our patients. And that's something that we've talked about, trying to find out more about our patients' opinions on whether they feel it's worked for them. Um, But I think what we have realized as therapists is we can do more than we thought. So we felt we needed to see people in person. And there is always a benefit to that. But actually, there are definite benefits to having this remote um, way of interacting with people, whether it be over um, telephone or using the video-based calling systems, which I think are are pretty commonplace in the NHS since the pandemic now. We realize that maybe traveling to an appointment, um, if fatigue is a particular challenge, um, transportation, um, lots of factors may mean that coming to appointments has been managed and and people have worked around it, perhaps we don't need to work around it in quite the same way that we used to because we have other options. Mm. And actually, as a therapist, I think we can do a pretty good job of exploring people's needs and challenges and goals and aims over the telephone or over a video call. Mm -hmm. The video enables us to see people moving in their own environment as well, which I think has its bonuses because you can work around what a person is able to do in their home environment and look at things in perhaps a much more practical way. We have started to bring more patients back into our department to explore gym-based exercise, but with a proviso that The gyms aren't necessarily going to be readily available and open. We can't have people necessarily um, coming in for the programs that we used to run on a regular basis yet. Mm. Can we transform that and make sure it's something that they can do in their home environment? Definitely, which Mm. we were doing before, but we were doing perhaps less of because we had the luxury of people being able to come in. um, And that was our I guess that was our first thought as to how we ran things at that Mm. time. So I think it's, it's been a really, as much as it's been a bit of a challenge for everybody, I think, it's been a really helpful challenge because it has helped us to see what we didn't realise was possible or what we didn't realise was as possible. And it's now giving us a, a perhaps a really good 360 view on looking at how we go forward with therapy services.
0: Yeah, so you, you can see that it's really got a place then. It's, there's still a place for it, even when the pandemic's over and everything can go back to normal. Yeah, I,
1: I'm pretty certain I speak certainly on behalf of my colleagues when I say we want to speak to our patients and find out what they would like from us and how they would like our services to be. But choice yeah. is is now enabled, which is fantastic. And I can't see us letting go of that.
0: No, absolutely. And I guess it isn't always about being in a gym. It's no, what should we coin a new phrase? Home space exercising. Absolutely. Oh, I like it. Yes, definitely. Hashtag that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jade. It's been great chatting to you again today. No doubt we'll speak again in the future about other aspects of physiotherapy and other conditions. Brilliant. Thanks for having me back. Great to speak to you today, Mel. Thank you. Once again, thanks to Jade for taking time out to do this podcast with us. We hope you found it useful and that you will listen in to all the other episodes in this podcast series about psoriatic arthritis. You can sign up to hear about all of our podcasts and our patient engagement research opportunities by joining our mailing list. Just send an email to admin at birdbath.org.uk and that address will also be in the show notes. We would also like to thank Healthwatch Bath and North East Somerset for helping to fund this podcast. This podcast is supported by UCB, who have had no editorial control on the contents. Thank you, UCB.